0: two, one, two, three,
1: four. Let's start that whole thing over again. It works. Okay. Hey y'all! This is Seba, the Southern Fried Witch, and I have a very special guest on today. And I'm laughing because I forgot to hit record.
0: <laughs> you know, and I've
1: done it. My we've done it before. I'm I'm been podcasting a while now. It absolutely happens. It does, and it's a little humiliating sometimes. But it's okay. We're gonna get through it because Kanani and I are also friends. And Kanani, you want to introduce yourself? My name is Kanani. I am a co-host on That Witch
0: Life podcast. Uh it's a podcast that I have about uh with a couple girlfriends. We've been friends since we were teenagers and it is a podcast about living as a witch in a modern world and and what that means and dispelling myths and kind of it's very conversational and people love it because we're three friends that have known each other for years and years and years and decades. And so, um, yeah, I'm really excited to be here. I'm pretty sure you and I are secretly cousins. Uh, So am I. (laughs) I, I'm completely convinced. I refer to you as my cousin Seba,
1: my cousin Seba out in Alabama. Yeah. And I don't think we caught that on the recording though. So you want to tell everyone how that could be possible? So um,
0: my, on half of uh, on my paternal side, we go in Alabama for generations and generations and generations. and before then they either came up through Massachusetts or straight from Germany to Alabama. And so my Mima, my papa, my grandparents, and all the generations before were all in Fayette County, Alabama. And that's only on one side. my my other, Grandfather also grew up in Fayette County and his lineage is also Fayette County in Alabama. And I don't actually have records for all of that. So but you don't have to go very far back, and that's
1: that's where my roots lie. So I'm I'm convinced we're cousins. Well, I'm from North Alabama. So that would be like limestone county, right underneath the Tennessee line. And I do think we had a lot of fun looking at each other's ancestry to <laughs>
0: Yes. Yeah. because yeah, I have ancestry on on my paternal grandmother's side and so i have all of that and we were able to look at that but then i also have it on on my grandfather's side which i don't i don't have access to but they met and grew both grew up in fayette county and as did their parents and previous lineage so we saw some last names that looked very similar so
1: very similar so we're just gonna call it because yeah (laughs) we like it (laughs) exactly well, that kind of does bring me around because living down here uh, most of my life, I, I did a brief stint when I was a teenager in, of all places, New Jersey. But otherwise, all of my life, had all of my children here. You know, this is where I plan to to die, to be morbid. Um, sometimes I think I'm literally endemic to this place, like I don't think I grow very well any other any other place, but it makes sense. Yeah. And a lot of that has to do with my ancestral roots. I'm very into um, oh gosh, that's the wrong way to put it, but it's very primal to me to be in connection with the land. Um and, you know, being descended from farmers, that really drove me to eventually do this kind of work too. And as I'm getting older as a witch, I keep wondering about all that lore and all of that, you know, familial myth and all those connections and how much it has created me as a witch i don't know if you feel any kind of connection to your ancestors that way in the way of i'm sure you do in the way of the southern roots one of
0: the things that i i because so many people and i'm included in this because i i know like i said on i have obviously we all have four grandparents i have the knowledge of the lineage of one side, of only one of those four grandparents, I know virtually nothing on two, and and minimal on the third. So not everyone has that kind of knowledge of who their you know grandparents or whatnot are, or their who their ancestors are. Sometimes people are adopted. Sometimes the, that family history is just not spoken about, or it's not known. Mm-hmm. And for me we were the black sheep of that family. So although I I have a literal book, I don't know any of the people that are in that book. The only people that I've ever met in my life are my grandparents that exist in that book. I've never met anyone else, even though I still have family that lives there. And yet, even though I have no physical attachment or, or emotional attachment to any of the people that are in that lineage, I have grown up with a love of the South, a knowing that I'm from there, a comfort with all things. I, I love country music, which all my friends think is hilarious and super weird because no one I know listens to country music. I mm-hmm. love it, especially if I'm in a mood or I'm sad or something like that. It, it grounds me. It brings me peace. I love Southern food. Most of the cooks that I watch on Food Network are the ones that are doing the the southern type cooking it's what i'm drawn to i've been to more than my share of cowboy bars done more than my share of line dances and none of that really tracks with my life or the people in my life or things that i've really been exposed to they're things that i sought out because they resonate to me and with me and they feel like home and so a lot of times when people say, well, I don't know who my ancestors are. I, I don't have, you know, that kind of knowledge. To me, there's often some, in, if you can listen, there's some intrinsic knowing sometimes. And for me, that's how I feel it is. For me, intrinsically, I am just comfortable in that space. And it feels like home, even though I have literally never been there. It's on my list. I've never been there. I've never been to Alabama. Absolutely. It's like (laughs) I said, it's on the list. Um, I was once in Texas. Um, That is is the only time I have gone anywhere remotely to the South. And that was for, I think, four days as a a kid. And um, but it's it's a part of me in a way that I can't explain other than the fact that it just exists within me and intrinsically there is a connection and so a lot of times i tell people even if you don't necessarily know the people or you don't know you know uh, who your ancestors were it's in there you can work with them you can do work with ancestors and feel a part of something because whether you acknowledge it or know it or or have met them they're a part of you, and they're helping to kind of cultivate who you are and where you feel safe and what resonates within you.
1: Yeah, I completely agree with that. And it kind of brings me around to this idea that I cannot get unstuck from my head. Um, And that is, the South seems to have such a haunted sort of complicated, well, we know how complicated of a history. And a lot of folks are always saying to me, you know, you need to leave the South. What are you doing down there? You're a witch. You're <laughs> a Democrat. <laughs> what in the world are you doing down there? And my whole thing is that, you know, this is still ancestral land. And, you know, well before all of these things were an issue here, there was this beautiful place. There was, the, you know, we're called Alabama, the beautiful for a reason. It's uh, the most ecologically diverse state it's it's amazing in it's beauty and that is what i feel so connected to that is what i feel so i guess drawn to back to my roots so often um but as we're talking about this one of the things i actually wanted to chat with you about is you were saying it's in there you know the the connection that maybe the almost like a imprinted memory of someone you've never met or the feeling of that you know of that connection and there's this thing i'm working on right now which is you know how science and lore talk to each other and i don't think people really investigate that enough because i think where science and lore meet there is magic that's that's what magic is to me Um, we all have our own thing but that's one of my digs and we all know now that dna carries memory absolutely Uh, epigenetics that kind of thing so I do think there is a little bit of scientific grounding and saying that you may not have ever been to a place, but something in you could remember it anyway. What do exactly? You
0: think? I know. I agree a thousand percent. I have, I mean, this is, it's very strange, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm a witch. I'm a pagan. I, I love Celtic music. Um, I love harps and bagpipes and, and that's something that I used to listen to all the time and um my daughter when she was born i uh, was listening to a uh, a celtic cd and there was all of a sudden the bagpipes start playing and she let out the most visceral cry oh. like she was in pain and i you know i'm going to her i'm trying to figure out what's what's wrong and, and there's nothing wrong and and i just i it, somehow it occurs to me she doesn't like this music and i turned the music off and every time she ever and and this happened when she was first when she was an infant anytime she hears music with bagpipes she gets very anxious she goes into a fight or flight response and she just wants the music off and wants the music off now and i know that on her father's side they have lineage that goes back to scotland and ireland and things like that and I don't know if it is a past life experience that is kind of resonating back with her, because as, as a lot of people know, is back then bagpipes would often be a part of you know music playing at the start of a war, mm-hmm. but she is terrified. Something is just welling up inside of her saying something is wrong and you are in danger right now, and she just has this very visceral response to that sound and i don't know if that is like i said a past life kind of experience that's coming back to her or if it's just in her blood and in her dna that you know in her ancestral line were people who fought in battles where bagpipes were played and so for her it is it is a sound of war it is a sound of death and pain and it it, it brings that out in her and so i think that people often don't Stop and recognize that it it is there. It's it's intrinsically there. It's viscerally there. And like you said, we've learned through DNA, we've learned through science that this is real. This is a thing. Our our cells have memory. You know, you are a part of your parents. You're a part of your grandparents. You're great. It's all a part of you in in some form. And you have that ability to tap into that and hopefully find some comfort or peace in that even when like you said you know in my ancestral lineage is very complicated because it is deep south where there were things that were not things that are things you want to be touting about ancestors that you have as well as some of them before then came from germany where they did other not great <laughs> things that are not things that one wants to tout about so i have all kinds of you know complicated uh ancestors in my in my line but you know, even when you have that, there's others when you work with your ancestors that you can say, hey, I would, I would like to call upon and work with my ancestors and get energy and wisdom from my ancestors that lived a good life. And you can kind of filter through some of that because just as we have very complicated ancestors, we can have ancestors who lived very good lives. And, um, but absolutely it is, it is in us. And I believe that not just in a spiritual sense, but I also do believe that in a physical manifestation sense, as science, as your blood, as DNA, as just coding that is within us, that is even separate from any type of spiritual thought process.
1: I think that's where a lot of the ancestral trauma may actually lie, places that we don't examine, um, places that we can't examine. But... Through attempting to make and forge those connections, I found ancestors that will work with me to, for lack of a better way to put it, sort of dispatch the problematic ones, um, that are happy to do it. <laughs> absolutely, happy to clean. yeah,
0: absolutely. Because just as you had ancestors that were doing things that now you know just are just atrocious, you know, there could be ancestors that were living in the same time who knew better. Right, who were like, I can't believe my brothers like this. I can't, I can't believe my, my parents are like this. You know, there, there's always, there's always ancestors that that knew better, that did better, and and that you can find who did live a good life, even if they lived in a place that was very problematic, or where there was a belief system that was very problematic. It doesn't necessarily mean that everyone in your lineage subscribed to that.
1: Yeah, you know. Also, while I'm going through all this that i'm i'm writing all this i'm trying to you know figure out what i think about things like this as well as do all the science and the background and the research and all of that it has struck me over and over that when we think about sacred spaces for instance like a woods or even where we move like this little farm i live on and how we kind of arrive and it's ours now it's our property and we just colonize the hell out of it you know and We don't even think about the other spirits, not just, you know, the trees and land spirits in general, but also those folks who have lived and died here as well. So I'm always, I guess I've got that forefront in my head where before I'll even work on a land, I go ahead and I try to, you know, give honor to them in some way to kind of ease that passage in because... Uh, you know it just feels so wrong not to do so and so I think we need to think about that too yeah absolutely I think that's
0: important for people to I think that's something that is in, in in a sort of an innate belief within paganism and witchcraft is a knowing and an understanding that you are a very small part of a much bigger whole right like that land will be there that land was there long before you and it will be there long after you. And you were just a a moment for the life of that land. And I think that one of the best ways that we can live our life is to understand that, that we're a moment in time, because I think so much of what difficulties in culture and and just people and and community is that, that selfish nature and the entitlement and feeling like you're so important and you deserve this and you deserve that. You're, you're just a moment in time, you know? And so I think when you, when you pay reverence to that knowledge, it helps you to find a lot of peace. And in a lot of ways, I think it helps you to not feel really stressed out, you know, about, you know, how your life has to have this big, heavy importance. It really is okay just to live a good life. And, you know, feel in tune with what's around you and just try and, you know, live as good of a life as you can in the time that you have. And so it's, I think that's a really important thing for people to think about
1: is that this was here before you and it will be here after you. Right. You know, I've got a 300 year old water oak. and They're not supposed to get that old. It's not a live oak. But that 300 year old water oak kind of keeps my ego in check. <laughs> every time I walk outside and and I look at it, I'm like, oh, yeah, you're going to know people long after me, aren't you? <laughs> or you have. Oh, the, I mean, can you how and how
0: exciting, like just sit and think of what has existed in that time? Like, that's incredible.
1: Yeah, there was some history that I was able to dig up on the place because, you know, when you find a place that you decide that is probably where you're going to you know, take your last breath. You care a lot more about it. I'm, that's just, you know, humans are selfish. We just are. Um, we just are. I wish that we were better, but come on. We, we really, we really do lean toward the selfish. And. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I started doing all of the uh, historicity of the place and digging, uh, like I say to my partner, jostling up bones by accident, you know, as I'm doing it. And once you know something, you have to take it into account. You know, you can't pull the ignorance card anymore. And um, it turns out that one of the original landowners, a woman, she was a very old woman when she passed away uh, and had to sell off a lot of the surrounding property. She was a pig farmer of all things. And uh, she was very alone at the end from what I can ascertain. And her grandchildren buried her under that oak because at the time (laughs) they could get away with it so right you know so several hundred years ago that is the site of uh well i guess somebody else's ancestor that lived here and not considering things like that you know people's dogs their beloved pets you know hearts broken all of those memories sort of they just sort of undulate here you know when you're very still and Make this connection. So, to me, I suppose there's nothing more southern of me than to consider all the haints <laughs> that are upon a property. But that's also a consideration, not just my own ancestors, but like the rest of them, uh, if that makes any sense.
0: Oh, absolutely. There's especially, you know, especially in the south where there is so much history and you know complicated history there is so much uh spiritual activity because so much of it was very ag- agricultural and still is and has been for so long that there are a lot of situations like what you're talking about where there are literally people buried there mm-hmm. because that's what you did this was your farm you don't you don't bury them somewhere else this is this is where they get buried and So there's a lot of that that exists, particularly, I think, in the South. And um, there is a real beauty to that. And I think it is something, you know, people tell me that all the time, like, well, wait till you go and you're going to, you know, you're going to feel how haunted it is Yeah, because that's kind of kind of my thing is I can usually go somewhere and be like, oh, okay, this is this is what happened here. So mm-hmm. that's something that people have kind of warned me about is they're like, it's a very different experience because of the history, because of the age, and because of a lot of the complicated times and whatnot that's that's existed with people down there. So, yeah, I, like I said, the, that's why when you yeah. said uh, this 300-year-old oak, I was just like, oh my gosh, the things it's seen.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I saw a young oak, you know, I saw the process of it getting tall here. Um one of the one of this one's babies landed by accident behind our well by accident my ass but behind our outside altar and we didn't notice it you know we weren't mowing or you know trying to keep anything down way back there and at that point i thought yeah let it grow here let it grow here um so i've i'm the first you know for that particular oak tree i'm the first who got to see it grow and have a ritual around it and um, honor the seasons under it. it. it's now about 20 feet tall. And uh, I don't know that anybody will ever remember me. You never know, you know, or how long it will stand. But it kind of gives you pause to care about that as well. I think it does. And, you know, there's not a lot of science to to prove that, but I believe that some lore you just know in your bones some lore you you automatically feel you can tell if there's something out there and there's a lot we haven't proved yet with science to me lore is
0: lore is almost just unproven science yeah right look at how we got medicine we got medicine because people learned it worked it, they didn't know scientifically why or how right it just worked mm-hmm and then eventually science can then prove well this is why it worked this is why it's true this is this is why you know as cultures and as people began to understand you know the sun and the moon and waves and you know stars and things like that and being able to find their way like this these were all just stories at one time mm-hmm. right this was just these were stories that were passed down and knowledge that was passed down with no scientific explanation or, or relevance and and then as science kind of catches up you know so to me science is usually almost always
1: behind the lore because the lore is what came first well it's from a lived experience right so a farmer knew that this worked in this way but couldn't or didn't need to prove it to anyone um and you know it's like rosemary where a long time ago it would symbolize remembrance and now we know it has a compound in it that's called, what is it, sin eol That when smelled, it instantly, you can find rosemary in your bloodstream from sniffing it. <laughs> and it um, improves cognitive function and helps with memory. So there you go. It's something as tiny as that. There was a reason all along it did do that. Uh, so yeah, I think magic is just really science that hasn't been proven yet. Or something like that. <laughs> No, I agree. Absolutely.
0: I think it's, you know, science just takes time to, there's certain things that are hard to prove and just because it hasn't yet been proven doesn't necessarily mean it can't be. And I very much feel that way with lore and whatnot is it came from something and eventually, you know, it will find its way to be true or in other ways, you know, depending on the lore or whatnot, I also think there's, in the more witchy sense, right, I think there's there's some lore that's just proven because it's just innately factual and it's just a matter of science catching up to be able to prove it. But then I also think there's the kind of lore that becomes so ingrained as a story or as a belief system that it can actually manifest itself into reality, which is kind of a different way for lore to be real.
1: Right. And sometimes that's not even a good thing.
0: Oh, no. Oh, oftentimes
1: not. You know what I mean? Yes. (laughs) Absolutely. No, absolutely.
0: Yeah. No, it's not necessarily a good thing at all. But I definitely think there is truth to the fact that, you know, when when large groups of people begin to have, you know, believe the same thing, it can kind of manifest its own reality
1: right you know black cats crossing your path and then i've known of people um specifically uh, in a place in georgia where they believe that that will be bad luck and after they see one they experience bad luck but i mean really bad luck but to me it was that belief in that that you really bought in really hard and manifested it in Absolutely. defense of black cats, you know, <laughs> who are my favorite right? cats in the world,
0: <laughs> and right? The Absolutely,
1: cats.
0: no, I definitely think that's true.
1: Yeah, and th- my grandma used to say that lightning bugs were a sign of magic and of light and of, uh, really good luck. You know, when you saw them, it was a wonderful place to be. But we also know that uh, it takes really healthy floral and fauna and healthy soil and air quality conditions for latin bugs to even exist. So, you know, you got a healthy yard, you got latin bugs, you know. So that, yeah, I think, anyway, you can see how I overthink it, right, Kanani? I'm always pushing this little boundary of... No, I love it. I think
0: it's, I I, I love the that you're writing a book on this because I think that this is You know, I myself am an incredibly skeptical person. I am the first Mm -hmm. person who's like, show me the receipts. You know, (laughs) prove to me that this is a thing. Yeah. I call bullshit. And sometimes it's, and there's a lot that can, that is, as far as I'm concerned, can be proven with science, but there's a lot that just is just, it's intrinsic knowledge Mm -hmm. that you just know it so much within yourself that the idea of denying its, its truth is just foolish.
1: Yeah, let me ask you, though. It's not an interview question. It's a friend or a cousin question. All right, we're going to do a cousin Cousin question. question. Here we go, cousin. So when you... And, you know, I've told other people, especially any students or any young witch in the craft, that all witches... I I don't believe them if they tell me they never have a lack of faith. I believe that everyone goes through at least a, a bit of that. So... When that has occurred in your life, whether it be now or when you were a kid whenever, what brings you back to faith in your craft? What brings you home to it again? Because you said you were skeptical. so, oh, i'm I am of
0: the most skeptical. I would say that for me, and I would say that I' have gone so far as to think, okay, maybe that's just, Maybe that's just silly and I don't know why I did that. So I would say that I have had moments where I have completely stepped away. And a lot of that has to do with I kind of describe to people that are in the craft or whatnot, that for me it's it's like turning on and turning off a light bulb. Right. And when your mind is open and you're you're in your practice and you have your routine, the light bulb is on, you see things, you experience things, things resonate with you, you feel a part of things. When you go through times of trauma or times that bring you great anxiety and your mind is so busy and so overconsumed and i am the perpetual overthinker you can turn the light bulb off and when you turn the light bulb off and you don't feel connected and you're not sensing things and you're you're not feeling a part of things it's very easy to think okay well then that's just not it doesn't exist it wasn't real whatever experience i had you know was just in my head it, it it didn't it didn't make sense but then when you reach a healthier point and a point of calm where you can be more present and be more open i feel like it just finds its way back and then you realize oh it was never really gone it's not that it was gone or that it was wrong or that i it's that i i stopped listening i stopped tapping yeah. into it And and it will when you decide to turn that light back on, it will just come flooding back as if it had never left you in the first place. And so for me, that is kind of the experience that I've had is I've definitely had times and even years where I've stepped away and not really practiced and and not been really involved. And and that's kind of what's always happened is eventually my life will calm down and I'll start kind of coming back more into my head and feeling more myself. And when that happens, it just, you know, once the light bulb's back on and I'm more aware of what's going on, it just comes back.
1: I think that I really love the idea of the light bulb, but I think that for me, it's the pagan in me doesn't really ever go away. You know, that's sort of like the foundation on which I stand. And then the craft is this is just me though, I'm not speaking for anyone else, is how I express everything, how my energy is expressed. Um, and I think the pagan in me has saved my faith over and over because it's really hard not to believe in magic when you're growing a garden. It's very difficult to believe that, you know, it's watching my orb weavers, you know, leave their little egg sacks and the next year having a very Charlotte's web moment, <laughs> with her uh descendants you know and this is a kind of funny thing i've never heard of a spider doing it maybe they do but i've never heard of it the egg sacs from the last three years every year the daughter you know because it's the female that spins the web creates the egg sac next to the one she came out of and we have three generations right next to each other and i so want to preserve those but i'm afraid to take them down so it's the pagan in me that will always remind me hey doofus you're magic too you know you you're a plant too or whatever you know you're a growing thing too how could you believe in us and not believe in you like you know lightning bugs ever since i was a little girl i believe that lightning bugs were the spirits of you know the dead often trying to talk to us and The fact that we could go on like that would automatically make me feel more, I don't know, present in my witch body, which is a little bit more focused than my pagan one. And uh, because it means I'm in it. You know, I'm part of this thing that I hold so sacred. I can't forget personally, Kanani, that I'm not outside of that. I'm dead smack inside of it. Am I making any sense?
0: It's, it makes perfect sense and i think that that's also one of the one of the difficulties that that a lot of people have myself included is that when you aren't able to commune with nature as much as you would like i think it's a lot easier to lose that type of grounding and that type of footing um because as you said it's almost impossible When your life is so focused on nature, being a part of nature, to not just understand that magic is everywhere, because you go through a walk in the woods and you are all of a sudden parts of you are starting to heal that you didn't even know needed healing. It's just it's such a immersive and and healing and cathartic experience. And so the more removed that you become from the outdoors and from nature and from just being a part of, of natural life. I think that's when people can really start to get lost because, you know, there is so much grounding and catharsis that comes with that. And so I think that's something that I'm supremely jealous of. Um, You know, just the other day I was out on my back patio because there was a thunderstorm and my children just thought I was, they'd lost my mind because I'm just sitting out in the middle of a thunderstorm And, you know, I'm under a covered area, but I'm just sitting there with a cup of coffee and just a blanket and just taking videos and pictures and listening to the sound. I turned my music off so I could hear it and enjoying it. And, you know, to me, that's just that's life. That's all of the things. And, you know, and I have that luxury now because I live we bought I've bought a house, whereas before I lived in a condo you know, and some people live in the city, you know, where things like that, it's not as readily accessible. Right. And so, right. I think it's supremely important for people to always find their way back to some sort of nature and natural element, because that's where the
1: real grounding happens. Yeah. And I think that I am speaking from a bit of a privileged position. We don't have a lot of money, that's for sure. Um, I'm a teacher for my government job and so that that's not a lot of money but nope no you know (laughs) this hello check to check but at the end of the day we still have had privileges uh, that have let us you know be able to buy this little farm and i think that's interesting because you think about pagans three four hundred five hundred whatever years ago you know the people of the woods right the the people who lived off the land it would have been the opposite it would have been the more, you know, I guess underprivileged folks that couldn't move to the big cities and, you know, take part of <clears throat> capitalism. Um, but we're still the victim right? of all that, right? We're still the victims of that. Exactly. Particular view on that. <laughs> but, you know, and now it's kind of almost flipped in that. Yeah, do you see what I'm saying?
0: Where. Oh, I absolutely think it's flipped. Oh, yeah. The idea that, you know, yeah, now when people have means, they want the peace, right? And so they want yeah. the land. La- so, yes, absolutely. There is there is luxury in land, in space, and, and being able to yeah. live in a very, you know, uh, rural and natural environment. Absolutely, that's a luxury.
1: Right. I don't think we think about that enough, but I do hear from people who are living in, you know... 200 square foot apartment, you know, just trying to make ends meet, desperate for a little patio, so they can have a couple of plants on that patio. And I think it's really hard for those uh, witches and pagans to, um, and I, I think it's important for anybody who has a yard or has a place they can be with the trees. I think it's really important for us to remember not everyone has that. Exactly. I am always, so let me ask your advice actually. I'm always stuck when somebody writes to me and says, you know, what can I do? I I live in, you know, downtown Boston, but I, you know, in this tiny little flat, you know, with a roommate, you know, sleep on a couch. And I really do want this. And I feel I'm not doing enough service when I answer, oh, go to the park, you know, because that's not their daily lived experience if they're working a 50 hour a week job. Um. Do you have any thoughts on that? That's
0: something, I mean, that's something we, I hear all the time and, you know, is not that dissimilar from a lot of the people that I know and, and how they kind of struggle with their own practice. And one of the things that we talk about is that there is magic in everything that you do and it, it doesn't just have to involve nature. Is it always fun to have a plant if you can get a plant or something like that? Of course, that's always really fun, but there is also a lot of magic that can be done in bathing, right? And in baths, even showers, Um, Mm. and what you can use, uh, the mantras Mm. that you can have, affirmations, oils, lotions, bath salts, you know, soaps, things like that. Candles, absolutely. That's kind of, candle magic is my jam. Candle magic is, that's my heart. Ah. Um, Candles and cauldrons. But you know, there's also a lot of magic in particularly in cooking and the ingredients that you use and how you prepare them in the energy that you're putting in that food. There is there is no question to me that food tastes better when it's made with love. It is not a question. I don't need science <laughs> to tell me whether or not that's real. When someone is lovingly creating a meal, that meal is better. It just is, even if it's the same ingredients that someone else used a week before and it just didn't taste as good. There is magic in the experience. and and like I said, even in the ingredients that you choose, the direction in which you you stir the food, there are so many ways that you can incorporate magic into your life that yes, is it a lot is it a lot easier to get grounded if you're in a natural environment? Absolutely. It just is what it is. That's not always an option for people. So a lot of grounding and things like that that can also occur is if you do live in a situation like that. Sometimes what you have to do is visualization. Maybe you just need to sit and you need to envision yourself in the forest. You need to try and feel it under your feet, even if you can't go to the park that day. What does it feel like when your feet are in the park? Then you've taken your shoes off. And you can feel your feet in the grass or you can feel your feet in the dirt. What does that what does that feel like? Remember that feeling so that later when you're home and you're sitting, you can visualize and kind of get back into that space to kind of find that peace, find that grounding. But there's a lot of people that that is that's their life. That's just unavoidably what it is. Or people who maybe live hours from a body of water right? I take for granted. I can go to a mountain. I can go to the ocean. I can go to a river. I can go to a lake. I've got all of the things around me in the Pacific Northwest. Some people don't have those things. Some people have never right. seen the ocean. Oh my God. I, right. I know things like that that's just, just blow like... <laughs> my mind, but I'm like, yeah. but then people tell me this and I'm like, oh, what? you know, like I have yeah. to go once a month or I start to have a panic attack. Like that's, that's mm-hmm. a piece of me, you know, that I, I go and visit and find my find my zen with but some people have never even seen the ocean so nothing is impossible you can find your you can find your magic and your space and your grounding even if you don't have the luxury of you know having things accessible to you or or having a backyard or things like that but it's certainly easier if you can but it is absolutely not impossible if you can't
1: yeah when you were talking about the food it specifically struck me because my grandma was a wonderful cook and if it was one of those days where everyone came to dinner and she'd been in there humming and she would always cook without her shoes on and really get that feeling going in that room. If somebody said, oh, my God, it's so good, she'd say, well, I put my foot in it. And (laughs) a northerner might be very upset. (laughs) But what she meant was she put part of herself into it she became part yep. of that process. And, and so just in this talking with you, I've got a little bit of chill bumps going on. on am economic, because to me, <laughs> I do, because I'm suddenly realizing that what I needed to talk about today or what I needed to hear is exactly what I told you, you know, which listen to yourself that I realized, you know, my paganism saving me is when I realized that I'm part of that, that I'm one of them that I'm magic like them, the trees, the snakes, the birds. I'm I'm one of them. But the truth is I could be one of them in a two hundred foot square apartment. That I take it with me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like I said, it's you really helped me think that out. It's there, whether you know it is <laughs> yeah, or not. Yeah. That's fucking gorgeous, Kanani. <laughs> <laughs> I love my cousin. Oh, it's it's so funny when you hear yourself and you're like, well, damn, it's always right there. That idea of you take it with you because you are it. That's just gorgeous. I adore you.
0: (laughs) I love you. I love you too. I'm so excited you asked me to come on. I was absolutely tickled.
1: Yeah, I don't know. It kept on striking me. I was like, well, I want to talk to somebody about all this, but I don't know who. And I just kept thinking of you. And finally, I was like, damn it, I'm doing it. Well, or do you have any cool projects you're working on or anything before we close down? Do you have anything
0: coming um, up? I'm or? trying to think of what's going on right now. We have uh, SomothatCon which is going to be happening in October. It's a virtual conference. Um, we release weekly episodes. People are happy to check us out. We're crazy and weird. And thatwitchlifepodcast.com. I am Soccer Mom Morticia on Instagram and Facebook. And, love um, it. yeah, I, Courtney keeps bugging me to write a book. I think you should. I'm going to get you on suburban, suburban witchcraft, but yeah, I, I just kind of am living my life. So I'm super happy to be here and yeah, people can find me on all the social medias, soccer mom, Morticia or that com. Yeah. I saw you just witchified. Was it Vegas? I saw you. Oh, that was too much fun. <laughs> There was a lot of fun that was had in Vegas. That was great.
1: They didn't see what was coming, but <laughs> exactly that was fun. All right. Well, I I love this conversation. I'm going to keep writing my book. I've got a publisher um, out of uh, Maine, actually, and I'm very excited. And they did tap me on my shoulder the other day and say, "Hey, need that other chapter." So, um, and I will be coming. I, I I'm terrified to fly. But I will be coming to the Pacific Northwest on uh, business, so to speak, for the book. So guess I'll get to meet you. You
0: will absolutely need to reach out to me. I will be so excited to see you. That's wonderful. We'll we'll be happy to have
1: you. (laughs) Yay. All right. Well, if you'll hang in there with me, I'm going to close it down. But I want to say goodbye to you proper because we are Southern. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. And y'all, I love y'all like chicken. I'll see y'all next week. Blessed be. Y'all have been listening to the Southern Fried Witch Podcast. If you'd like to support this podcast and get extra content, see a few videos, and just hang out with us over on our Facebook group, go to patreon.com backslash southernfriedwitch. Hope to see y'all there.